Thank you for tuning in to the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is an online ministry striving to feed people the life-sustaining bread of God's Word. Bread of the Word exists for the reclamation of the Bible in the heart, mind, and walk of all the saints of God, for it is the Bible itself which is the ultimate standard by which people are to live and honor God. Thank you for tuning in. This is Bread of the Word. Hello and welcome back to the Bread of the Word podcast, Reclaiming the Bible and Exalting Christ, one verse at a time. My name is Tyler and I am glad to be with you this Sunday afternoon as we dive into Romans chapter 11. And I'm grateful for those who have bared with us as uh, I've been dealing with some, some lighting issues, so there hasn't been a video the last couple installments. Um, that is not usually how that is and that's something I'm um, trying to navigate right now is uh, getting better lighting figured out. So this will be another audio only, but uh, I appreciate you uh, tuning into Just the Sound and listening on the website or Spotify or wherever that may be. And I wanted to also let you guys know about an upcoming episode that will be coming out on April the 18th. Mark your calendars. It is the very first Bread of the Word interview. I had the opportunity to sit down with Mr. Claude Ramsey from the Here I Stand Theology podcast, and we had a candid conversation on the resurrection, and that will be releasing the day after Easter, April the 18th, so be sure to look out for that one. Claude's a great guy. He's got a great podcast. Um, definitely check that out. Very knowledgeable guy, but he's very down to earth. It's one of the things I really like about him, and so I'm excited to share that with you in the coming weeks. And uh, without further ado, let us dive into this week's installment of our study in Romans. So, kind of summing up where we've been, we've been going through Romans 8 through 11 lately, which is the, it's about the sufficiency of Christ and the sufficiency of God's calling us to salvation. And Paul has been deliberating on this thing called election. They got ele elected people, not nations, to eternal life to life in Christ and he's been going over the deep implications of that and we come to Romans 11 and 11 is it's a hard text not because of where it is doctrinally it's just hard to wrap our heads around it's it's simple but it's hard and Paul has de deliberated on the Jews being hardened and being rejected by God they rejected Christ and therefore missed the point of the covenant to begin with and Paul's now explaining the role of the Gentiles and the people that were not raised in Jewish culture, were not raised in the temples, that were not brought up under the Torah. And yet God has grafted them in to his purposes and his covenant. So we'll be in verses 11 through 33, which is a big chunk, but it all kind of flows and it brings the main concept of Romans 11 to a close. And in the following week, Lord willing, we will be 
um, picking up in the overhang between Romans 11 and Romans 12. But starting with verse 11, where it says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but, but through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Paul begins with another negative rhetorical question. This is one of the things that Paul is truly a master of, is asking rhetorical questions. And in Greek, the, one of the interesting things about Greek is that the way things are worded, you can tell the kind of response that they're looking for when they ask a question based on how they ask it. And so when Paul asks, did the Jews stumble that they should fall? Did the Jews err that they should fall? Is God being a sadist and laughing as they fall? Absolutely not. Paul asks a rhetorical question that's built on a negative. It's, it's sar almost sarcastic. The Jews did not stumble because God was waiting for them to fall. Their stumbling had a purpose, a good purpose, because God is good. And the ground of the covenant was never just for Israel. It was never only for Israel. Consider the promise that God made in the Old Testament. Genesis 3. I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 12. Speaking to Moses. I mean, sorry, to Abraham. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you the families of the earth shall be blessed. The backdrop of the covenant that God made was to bring a redeemer and to bless the nations through that redeemer and that's a thread that we have been pulling at for a couple weeks now of trying to unravel this sweater of redemption so the stumbling of the jews meant the salvation of the gentiles how much more blessed will it be in their inclusion because all of the nations will be blessed through the redeemer through having a redeemer and that includes the jews but the jews were never the perfect people and this is something that the pharisees misunderstood as it would seem. Consider Deuteronomy chapter 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to, be, to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Israel received the promised land. They were given that land. Not because they were the, the best people. Not because they were the most righteous. Not because they were the most impressive. But actually because of the mercy of God. that They, they received the, the promised land. They became his covenant people. According only to the mercy of God. And that mercy of God didn't just stay with Israel. But it was always God's intention to bring other people into that same mercy. Isaiah chapter 56 says, Thus says the Lord, keep justice, 
and do righteousness. For soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, and keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name. Better than sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. And he's so Isaiah is talking about eunuchs, which is a which is to say the some of the temple prostitutes of these pagan cultures. These were men who were mutilated, who were very much the outcasts of society. They were these were the kinds of people that the Jews would have looked at and went, Ugh These are not the cream of the crop. These are not the these are not the saints of society that you would think would be welcomed in the Lord's table into his house, to his table. And we would think that the eunuch would say, Behold, I am a dry tree. But Isaiah says, No, don't say that. For God shall bring you into his family. If you join yourself to God, if you make yourself his, and you love what he loves and hate what he hates, he will bring you into his family. He will take you in as his own. And you will be counted as a purebred Israelite, regardless of where you've been. Romans, back to Romans, verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, and save some of them. For of their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will there be their acceptance be but life from the dead? The church is not replacing Israel. The eunuchs are not replacing Israel, but rather being added to it. The Jews have been denied a blessing that the Gentiles received, and Paul is illustrating that the Jews will desire that same gift. Jealousy in the sense of that. That they will desire this blessing through, that was given to the Gentiles, that they were brought into the covenant. Picking up in verse six, 16, If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lamp, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, Although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you 
who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true, they were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. The foundation was holy, therefore rendering the rest holy. The Jews of old were, done, were not done away with because of sin. The Jews of old clung to God in faith. Early in Romans 11, he references Elijah, who felt that he was the only true believer left in Israel. And God said that I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. That there's always been that righteous, that holy remnant. And the root that he's talking about is that remnant. Those people who are righteous according to the imputed righteousness of God. Those Jews of the Old Testament that God counted as holy, like Abraham. But the Gentiles have a seat at the table because of the work God initiated through the Jews all the way back in Genesis. Abraham is the root by which the tree of redemption has grown. Noah is the tree, is the root. But branchless branches were broken, were broken off so that others may be grafted in. God gave his Messiah to the Gentile world when the hard-hearted Jews rejected him. The Jews missed out on the promise of Genesis 3 because they were looking in the wrong places and in the wrong ways. They thought that Messiah would look like them. He would act like them. But he didn't. And they asked him, Why does your teacher eat with such scum, with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus responded by quoting Hosea, which is a book we've been referring to frequently, and wrestling with this idea of God's sovereignty, of God's mercy, and he quotes Hosea to them, For I desired mercy, not sacrifice, and faithful love over burnt offerings. I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. And in Galatians 4, Paul is addressing this. And he talks to the Gentiles and says, You, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. That we are all the same family, that there's not Jew and Gentile, for we are all part of the same family. Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, was the, the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. We are by faith made to be the children of promise by the power of the gospel. We did not earn a place at this table. There is not one of us who could earn a spot in this room. That ultimately what God did is set a table before sinners and says eat. 
He has invited us according to his mercy. Consider the example of Jonah. Jonah was one of the interesting prophets. He was one of what we call the minor prophets because his book is very small. But Jonah was the only prophet who was called to evangelism in the sense that he went to the Gentiles and preached repentance. And when he does preach repentance, when he goes into Nineveh and he says, yet 40 days Israel shall be, I mean, sorry, yet 40 days Nineveh shall be destroyed. Picking up in chapter 3, verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, this is what I said when I was yet in my country. This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah was stirred up to jealousy that God would save Jonah's enemies. Even though we all share the same bloodline, we are all descendants of Noah. But the Ninevites did what the Jews rarely did in the Old Testament. They actually received the message in faith. They repented. They put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. This is mourning practices. They mourned over their sinfulness and their transgressions against a holy God. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we mourn our sins, there is grace. And so the root of this covenant is the Jews. But there are branches that are Gentile, of whom we all are a part of. God has grafted us into this covenant at the expense of the Jews that rejected him, but it is not final for the Jews. Romans 11, note that when the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in this kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? Paul assures the church of Rome that the Gentiles are not invincible. They will be held accountable to God, as the Jews were. And the Jews will be grafted back in by believing in Christ. That those who 
cease their unbelief and repent and believe will be grafted back in and be saved. And in a sense, all Israel shall be saved because all who believe in Christ are the true spiritual Israel. Back to Romans 9. It is not as though the word of God has failed. It is not that God missed something or that he left out a detail. The word of God has not failed in any of this. For not all who descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because there is offspring. It's not about DNA. It's not about genetics and bloodlines. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Hebrews 4. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So the Gentiles, us, we are not invincible in the covenant. We could not keep ourselves there. We could not earn a spot at that table, and we could not earn our preservation. It is God that keeps us there by his spirit. By the indwelling of the Holy Spirit we remain. We abide in him. In the unified body of Christ, the capital C church. And no creature is hidden from his sight, Jew or Gentile. We all will give an account. And the Jews can be saved. The self-righteous people can be saved, can come to Christ. If God could save Paul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee who was persecuting the church, he will surely do the same for others. So now we continue on to verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them, where I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. What started as a harsh, almost condemnation, almost a condemning statement, has now ended with hope for the future. God will be worshipped by the nations. Israel, the true Israel, will be grafted back in to the olive tree of redemption. God has not forsaken his people. He has not abandoned Israel, and he has not abandoned us. And in closing, I refer us to John chapter 4. 
when Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And he is talking about worship. To a Samaritan, someone who, as far as the Jews were concerned, was cut off from the covenant. And she's telling him about the divide here, that the Jews go to this temple on this mountain and worship, and us Samaritans, us Gentiles, us unclean people, go to this mountain and worship. Which one is it? And he says in verse 21, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will n neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. That, that is where this goes. It's not about temples, it's not about bloodlines or family history. It's not about, a, it's, there's not an application process, there's not a check, checklist. He's looking for hearts. The nations will worship God, regardless of background. All will recognize him as God. God dwells with his people. He gave us his son. Because in sundry times, God spoke through prophets, but he has revealed all things concerning his son in these latter days. It all comes back to Christ, who, bring, who draws all of us to God. We have a seat at the Lord's table because of Christ, because of grace. And because of grace, there is a place for you and for me in the covenant of God, in the hard-wrought promise that God will redeem and restore. So God dwells with his people. He has welcomed the outsider. And I implore you today to put your complete trust in God and be washed anew in the waves of the same mercy. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bread of the Word podcast. I pray that it has been beneficial to your walk with God and that he has called you into a deeper relationship and fellowship with himself. If you want to hear more from Bread of the Word, feel free to hit that subscribe button down at the bottom. Get notified about new content whenever we go live. Um, you can also watch us on Rumble Video and YouTube, or you can listen on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, you can also find us on social media. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Gab, links will be provided in the bio um, if you would like to check those out. And there will also be a message in the comment section, um, a free gospel message for download entitled The Two J's, The Joy of the Potter and the Journey of the Clay. That is something that I've written, that is something God laid on me to write and then send out. And so I'm not making anything off of it. I'm not selling it. It is free for you to read and share. We need a further saturation of the gospel in our world, in our culture. And it starts right here. Bread of the Word Ministries exists for the reclamation of the Bible and the exaltation of Christ through the reading and teaching of his holy transformative word. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless. Matthew 4.4.